Welcome to the Love, Sex and Freedom podcast. This is where you're going to discover how to bring awakening into the body and into everyday life through powerful tantric teachings. Get ready to release, open and step into your true power. So the power that we can embody as individuals, the power that radiates from us is a power that comes from embodiment. So if you meet powerful people who are really in their minds, they might be powerful by societal standards because they've reached a certain place of status or role they're playing and maybe they can have power over but it's not true power who, who knows what I'm talking about when you meet someone and you know they're all like oh I'm so powerful mm, it's, it's like this real heady kind of power and then you can feel the power of someone who has true power when they enter a room who's experienced that And that's, that's the power of knowing oneself. That's the power of being okay with who we are. And at a fundamental level, you are worthy. You need to know that if you're going to harness your power and embody your power. Because otherwise, as soon as something comes up that has been deemed unworthy in some way by your conditioning, then you're going to want to push that away. You're going to want to push that away as unworthy. So there's often this division between the light and the dark. You know, and the dark is bad and we have to get rid of it and the light is good and it combats and... It's simply not true because the light without the dark can only exist for so long. It's just denying what we can't see. So shadow work and darkness are really connected. And, you know, you can see your shadow when the light is shining on you in a certain way. But even when that light isn't shining on it, it's still there. Right? And the light of your own awareness can come into contact with your shadows so that they're not denied and taking the driver's seat of your life without you knowing it. So shadows are basically anything that are, that's unconscious. And that can be qualities that are really amazing and feel really good. It can also be qualities that don't feel so good. It's whatever has been deemed unworthy by you as a result, usually of your parents deeming it unworthy, and society. So if you can imagine that our psyche, if you can imagine like three circles, right? There's the conscious mind, 
That's what we're aware of, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Or the waves on the ocean, or the tree that you see. And then there's the unconscious, which is the roots, which is what's underneath the waves, which is what's holding up the peak. And if you're not actually going into the darkness, which is just the unknown, willing to close your eyes and turn your attention inward towards what's unconscious, you're not actually evolving. You're not, because you don't, you're not being who you really are. You're denying aspects of yourself. And evolution, to me, and in a tantric context, is wholeness. It's actually all of the aspects, meeting those, being with those, giving them permission to be here. And when we can dialogue with all the parts of ourselves, meet all the parts of ourselves, welcome those parts, listen to what they have to tell us, then that's how we actually respect ourselves. It's where boundaries come from. It's where a natural process of transmutation happens from denser energies becoming more expansive. And I'm going to explain all of this more and more as I go. There's consciousness. There's what's unconscious and then, and that's personal. And then there's the collective unconscious. And that's what collectively as a, as a society, most people deny and repress. Or, or can't own like greed, like Comparison, competition, jealousy, like victimhood or the wounded child. If people could actually own those parts instead of all the bullshit of the mind, then what would happen? But what that takes is knowing that you are fundamentally worthy with these parts. And the way that you actually know that you're fundamentally worthy with these parts is by meeting them. And it feels counterintuitive because somewhere along the line, we've been told that they're bad. So in at, growing up, if you were told that your anger is bad and evil, it will go into shadow, go into the unconscious. If you were told that Sadness, if you were told that being too loud, if you were told that one of your talents is, you know, all of these things. I remember there was this one client I had and <laughs> I had been working with her for two years. And then in this one session, in this incredible session, she sang at the end of it and I was like, whoa. She had the most incredible voice. I was like, where did that even come from? How have I known you for this long and never heard that voice? She's like, I don't like to sing. She didn't know why. So the next session, I did a shadow work process with her because I really wanted to get to the bottom of this. And I suggested that she needs to sing. She is singing now. 
And she's like, I couldn't, I couldn't. I'm like, why? She's like, I don't know. And she remembered a time in her child when she was singing and her mum said, stop being such a fucking little show-off. So that's a shadow, but it's not negative, right? People have all of these misconceptions about shadows. And by the way, if someone says to you, what's your shadow? And without doing deep unconscious work, you're saying what it is because it's what you think. It's not unconscious. It's conscious. What you are conscious of is not the portal into your ultimate potential. I'm going to say that again because no matter how many times I say this, people still don't get it. There's, uh, most teachers don't get this. You know, people give them reflections. I know master teachers who are given reflections from students and they can't take them. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like what people say to you about your beauty and about your weakness, they're not just saying it for fun. Again, unless they're pricks. They're saying it because there's some truth in it. And reflecting on what people say to you, and I will, I'll take you through a practice, is one of the quickest ways to owning your shadows. The people who know you the best will point out to you your blind spots. And you can defend yourself, you can explain, you can cower, you can turn yourself into a victim in those moments of reflection and stand your ground and make sure that the people who are giving you that reflection know that you're worthy. But actually, you don't need to prove that you're worthy when you know that you're worthy. And most people who don't know they're worthy make someone else feel unworthy. So most of the time, I know I'm worthy because I've done so much work on this. But when my sexual abuse stuff comes up, I definitely don't feel worthy. I sink, I sink. And you know, sacral chakra day at Living Tantra Retreat is always a joy for my partners. So <laughs> Aaron's been through it, Matisse hasn't. I got through the end of the day, but after I've touched enough women's bodies and felt their pain, eventually like that comes up in me. And one of my biggest unconscious protective mechanisms that no matter how conscious I am, become of it after I've done it, it still just gets me, right? And there's part of me that's aware, like there's part of me that could say to Matisse yesterday, this could all just be because of this, but it feels so true for me. And he becomes an abuser and Aaron became an abuser every time. And I'll just find something. I will just find something that these poor bastards have done. I'm just waiting to find something. I'm just waiting. But I'm not aware of that at all. And yesterday I was like having such a great time. I was saying to Matisse, wow, this is the most ease I've ever felt on Sacral Chakra Day. I can't believe it. And then we're in the bedroom. And when I look back on it, when I laid down, I did feel a little something. But I missed it. Right? It was very, very slight. And then he tells me something that he said. And I'm like, <laughs> he doesn't love me. He's betrayed me. He doesn't have my back. I can't trust him. I even suggested that we need to break up. 
<laughs> and this poor bastard <laughs> doing well and then like I, I didn't I stopped through the tantric massage I just cried I was able to just feel what I was feeling I didn't really I, I was still crying about how mean he is you know a part of me and then another part of me is like this is probably from today <laughs> So I'm feeling and I'm like kind of holding both and by the time we get back to the room, my protector has definitely kicked back in. And so I'm telling him why we should break up and why he's a terrible human being. <laughs> and, and then he's explaining himself. He's like, I, I didn't mean, and I'm like, stop explaining. I don't care. And he's like, well, you're suggesting we break up. I kind of feel like I need to explain. I'm like, I don't care about what you have to say, but then he's like, I think we should stop talking. And then I'm like, so cross and cuddled up. He's like, I'm open to hugging you. I felt like saying I didn't say, well, fuck, if I'm letting you hug me. I don't even know if, like, I'm ever going to hug you again. And then I'm thinking about Barcelona and Montenegro. Maybe I can just cancel everything and go to Ibiza instead. Tell him how it's all his fault. I don't even want to go to this festival. And then he's like fluctuating and he's like, is there anything you need? I need you to be in your masculine. And that is it. Only masculine. Because right? I know when I'm fucked up like that. And in fairness to me, I did say a few times, like, this could be my irrational abuse talking. But the other part was like, but I don't think so. I think that actually it's been revealed. You really are bad, right? <laughs> and so then he just did his in-breath. Like, when the abuse comes up, eventually he has to just become a mountain. Nothing else works. He became the best fucking mountain. And then I eventually discovered... <laughs> I'm so sorry, I love you. And then I'm back, but it's like I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm not there. I'm someone else. And the thing is that I actually can't find the part of me that is worthy of being human. I mean, that little girl who's way too young, being penetrated, it was way, way too many times, right? And it was a very interesting scenario of, you know, my, it was my uncle. So we'd be in family situations where he, he would be lovely. He was very enchanting. He was a musician. Some, of course, I've often attract musicians who then become the evil musicians, you know. And there's so many layers to it. And then I never knew when it was going to happen. So there's a part of me that's always on guard and getting much better. But there is, especially if I'm in any kind of strong feeling, I need to just like create safety for myself and just have that time to come in. And, you know, recognizing what you need at different points of triggers and having compassion for yourself. So I used to give myself such a hard time for when that would come up. And Aaron was definitely the first man who really supported me to stop doing that. Like I would get upset and past spiritual partners, whenever I would get upset, especially if it was connected to this piece, would just 
railroad me, punish me for days, sometimes weeks, take heaps of space. And whenever I'd go into that with him at the beginning of our relationship, I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, if you don't want to talk to me, that's okay. He's like, darling, it's all right. Like, you had a moment. Usually you're an amazingly rational woman. I'd be like, really? And, like, I would talk to him and I'd be so scared to share what I was upset about because then I'm not being spiritual. And he just kept holding me and encouraging me. And then, you know, that, that voice started to free up and there'd be sometimes, and this happens with Matisse as well, where that voice is really closed and I just can't speak because that freeze response that actually made me survive that two years. And this is what happens with abuse. You have to dissociate. It's too much for a tiny body. Like when I saw my daughter when she was seven, that's when I got a whole new compassion for myself. I'm like, what? Imagine that happening to her. Like that, that is so fucking traumatic. But part of the disassociation is you're kind of disassociated from the experience, right? And also because of all the personal development I grew up with, it's like never turn yourself into a victim. And yeah, there's a truth to that. And sometimes there's victims. I was a victim of abuse. Like actually owning that was part of a healing journey. And there's the worth that you feel within yourself and then there's the worth that you feel that the people who love you can give you. So in moments with Aaron, in moments with Matisse, when they could get over themselves and just see that no matter what I was saying, like where he ended up getting to was like, okay, he's that mountain. He's no longer taking it personally. That, that's what the mountain is. And Aaron would get to that point too and sometimes he would just giggle because he would think I was funny when I was like stomping my feet. Like, what are you laughing at? I hate you. Stomp out into the rice fields. I'm trapped in the rice fields. <laughs> Scream to God, this man that's entrapped me. So, and, you know, that, that worth, that part of me that needs to find that I'm fundamentally worthy, that ends up kicking in. And what helps it kick in is how much he did and how much he does cherish and love me and is devoted to me. And you deserve a partner who you don't always have to be perfect for. Because I don't ever want you to experience what I experienced after learning all these teachings, which is I have to be perfect all the time, I have to communicate perfectly. Sometimes when trauma overtakes you, it is too much. And you may just need someone who really loves you to see that there's just a child in there that's really hurting and that their protection is up. It's actually got nothing to do with you. And all they need right now is to feel worthy of love, even when I'm feeling dirty and disgusting. Because once the abuse comes into my body, like what I used to do after the abuse was I would go into the shower, sit in the shower, and I would just like scrub myself and I would self-mutilate and I would just feel really disgusting. And as different memories would come up and I would remember feeling pleasure at different times, there's just so many layers of shame. And, yeah, like, he, he, has, he has sat with me literally for hours and hours on end when I'm not in the fierceness, when I'm in the vulnerability. And I'm like, Matisse, you don't have to stay here. Like, I'm sure you've got things to do. And he's like, the most important thing that I have to do right now is to stay present to you. 
And then that presence, and then I'm like, I really want to have a shower. He's like, just stay here a bit longer. And then it's like crying, many layers of tears of like deep, deep sounds that I couldn't even sound as an adult. And what you're doing when you're going into what's held in the body is you're going back in time to parts of you that are frozen in time. And you're releasing them from the entrapment of that time and you're unfreezing them slowly, slowly. And the tricky thing with abuse is you have to be patient. A lot of the time the memories come in dreams because it's the only time that you're void enough to allow those unconscious memories. What women are familiar with that coming up in dreams. They can come up with plant medicine. They can come up with deep processes. And it's really about holding that space with a lot of love. And the more that love is present, the more that will be revealed. So Matisse's presence is ridiculous. And he's always just there, present. He, he doesn't do distraction. He's never on his phone unless he's like doing something like booking things for us or, or like hardly ever. He doesn't really go into mind. He's not the type to, as you probably have realised, to use a lot of words and to try to prove what he knows. There's just this kind of presence that's looking at me to the point when we were first together. I was like, would you stop like just being there so fully? And I remember saying to Sai, our mutual best friend, I'm like, what the fuck with Matisse? Like, do you ever just want to be like, dude, just stop being so present. <laughs> it's pissing me off. And he lost it. Like, Sai's got this big belly and when he loses it, he's just like... <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And laughing. And then he's like, how do you feel? I said, I just feel really shy and nervous sometimes. He's like, so be shy. Matisse would probably love that. I love it when you're shy. So, you know, and size always like my wisdom space holder. And like the next time he was really present, I would go into her shyness. And there's a part of my shyness and little girl that started to come more alive in the depth of his presence. And then other memories started surfacing. So I'd never remembered actually being penetrated other than by fingers. And then I remembered being penetrated by more than that. And it was an absolute harrowing time. And it was like nightmares again and like really, really deep and strong. And there was stuff going on with the academy and I communicated to Aaron and Tara and they both just held me with lots of love and compassion. And I had to stop working. I, I actually, thankfully, I had my business set up that there were lots of people working for us and he basically just held presence for yeah. that and yeah there was just layers even one day I was even like I don't know if I can be here anymore because mm. it was so much but I'm telling you now that you will get to the other side no matter how difficult it feels and actually what what was birthed on the other side of that was a whole new chapter of my life a whole new chapter of my life where there is so much more ease and pleasure and choice in what I do. So everyone just take a deep breath. So be with someone who can love you for a start. 
And the way that you're going to attract that, the reason that I attracted this guy, the reason that I attracted this guy, is because before I met Aaron, and him and I were both on the same journey, it was pretty wild, I was just like totally focused on my inner union. I was with someone that was absent a lot and to deal with that, like there was always working on inner union, but this was next level. And he had been too, and I had found the man that I wanted and he was really here. And then like my prayer to the universe was, I want a man who can love me and be there for me the way that my man is. And then Aaron showed up and took really good care of me and loved me so beautifully. And then after we broke up, there was the next chapter of, of that and then Matisse came in. So you remember that fundamental worth through the container that you hold for yourself and actually no matter what you're experiencing, staying present to yourself and loving yourself, that's the first step. And then the next step is getting that reflection from your partner, whether that's a, you're a man and that's a woman, or vice versa. And then they come into your life and then love is medicine instead of trauma bonding. Because if you keep abandoning yourself in those times of intense pain, then whoever you're with is also going to abandon you. If you are judging yourself when you are in that, whoever you're with is going to be judging you. Like if I look back on the partners I've had, I can pretty much go, that was my masculine at that time. Mm. And also other aspects, of course. And this is part of the work of being willing to go into the unconscious. Because it's unconscious, you don't know what you don't know, right? So how do you see what's unconscious? How do you see in the dark? First of all, by doing what we've been doing, going into the body, surrendering into the body, and then the unconscious naturally will arise. Who's felt that in the last few days? And then there's deliberate shadow practices that I'm going to teach you, teach you today. And one of the most powerful is to actually reflect on your partners and what has triggered the fuck out of you about them and own that in you. And it doesn't mean it's to the same degree but it means it's there. And it's either something that is here that everyone else can see except you. Have you ever had someone in your life who's like, oh, they're so this and this, and then you're like, <laughs> you're pretty much talking about yourself. Who's had that experience? And then other times you might be getting <laughs> triggered and it's not what you're expressing, but it's something you're suppressing that wasn't celebrated in your upbringing that needs to come to the surface. So I grew up, you know, like my dad was always saying, what would love do now? Not focusing it on what would love do for me, what would love do for others? And there was an entrainment towards service. So anyone who was selfish would really trigger me and selfish actions would trigger me. And actually, I've had to become more selfish. And the worst thing is that what you repress when it comes out, it's the worst. Because I would suppress that selfishness. I'd be so beautiful, nurturing to everyone. And then I was the most selfish fucking bitch you could ever imagine on the planet. I'm like, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. <laughs> because whatever we suppress, it's kind of like, you know, when my kids 
anyone who's got kids, you know when they have the big inflatable balls in the pool and they always try to push <coughs> them down and then it comes back and hits them in the face? It's kind of funny. That's like the shadow. If you try to push it down, it comes back. And Peter Pan, who's seen Peter Pan? Remember in the scene where, like, his, like, his shadow is, like, got all this fucking attitude? Peter Pan's all love and light and then the, and then the shadow's like, hey, motherfucker, what's up? That's a really good representation. And then he has to integrate and merge with the shadow. And what he's actually merging is Neverland and planet Earth. Yeah, yeah, so let's take a breath. Close down the eyes. And just take for a moment everything that's been shared here. And just take a moment and reflect on that within yourself. Become present. You might even write it down in your journal. But what are some of those qualities? That maybe you've been reflected by partners or you've been judging in others. And just take one or two of those into your awareness. One or two of those things because they're either being expressed by others because they're not being owned within you. Or they're being reflected back to you because they're not being owned within you. And when you're not owning it, then it's power that you're giving away. And today is a journey into power. It's a journey into the solar plexus. It's a journey into recognizing these areas of your life where for whatever reason, rhyme and understanding, you've been giving power away. Just take a moment to reflect on this. Reflect on what you've been listening, what you've been observing, and just take that into your inner inquiry, into your inner awareness. Being really honest with yourself as well, because sometimes it's easy to bypass and go in other directions, but actually being honest with yourself. There's, there's two parts to it. One is what do people tell you that's hard to hear? What's been the consistent feedback of the people that are closest to you that you get defensive about or that you don't really pay attention to? And then what were you celebrated for when you were growing up? And what were you not celebrated for? Because all the things that you weren't celebrated for will go into the unconscious. Also, anything that you saw that you had a negative association with. So you're going to get a chance to share on each of these things, but just meditating on it for a few minutes. What were you celebrated for? What were you told was bad? And also, what did you perceive about power? Because if you had a parent who was very powerful and you abused, and they abused that power, you will probably have negative associations with power. Or if none of your parents had any power, you may not know how to use power, generate power healthily. Just contemplating. 
What are your associations with power? What were you celebrated for? What were you told is not good enough? Were you too sensitive? Were you too much? Was your anger bad? Was your sadness bad? Do you have a talent that you were told not to pursue? And what have you been told frequently in your life? If you've been told by every partner that you're aggressive, you're probably aggressive. If you've been told by every partner that you're weak, that's probably a very weak part of you. And it's all okay, none of it is wrong. But once you own those parts and dialogue with it, which we're going to do later in the day, you get to know it and it becomes actually part of your power, which you're going to see. So the first step is just getting the sun in the right spot, shining the light of awareness onto these shadows. So get honest with yourself. What do you hear from your partners? Also notice out of all these inner questioning, which ones are holding the most amount of charge? Like where you can feel, even in the awareness of it, that there's some, some either really strong resistance or part of it, you just feel there's some energy to it that is held. And that's where you'll be directing your awareness and energy as you move forward. And then, of course, what triggers you in others? What triggers you about your mum and your dad? What triggers you about your children? What triggers you about your partners? What do you have a reaction to? Whatever you have a reaction to, you either need more of that energy and you've suppressed it, or you actually have that and you're in denial of it. Looking within, recognizing within, and also as we journey into places of power in the unconscious, part of us that wants to get distracted becomes higher because parts of these of us have been denied and suppressed for so long that we find every which way we can to not look at it. So it actually takes a very strong level of presence and awareness. Continually draw yourself in that direction. Thanks for listening to the Love, Sex and Freedom podcast. For more great free resources, in-person and online workshops and our retreats, find us on Instagram and Facebook at Embodied Awakening Academy or visit embodiedawakeningacademy.com.